On this episode of Fresh Bread, Part 2, as the feminization of our society continues to grow, men are becoming increasingly lost. But why are they not turning to the church for answers? And why are especially young men more drawn to unchristian men like Jordan Peterson, Andrew Tate, Joe Rogan, and many more? So does the Bible have what men need on this slice of Fresh Bread? Welcome to Fresh Bread, a podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church Gainesville. Pastor Brandon, Pastor Keith. Well, hi, everyone. Thanks for clicking on Fresh Bread, Podcast 31. Fresh Bread, where we're bringing the truth and God's word to a starving world. He's Pastor Brander. He's Pastor Brandon. I'm Pastor Keith. And on the last podcast, we began the discussion on manhood and biblical manhood, and we were discussing the dangers of men, and especially young men, turning to guys like Jordan Peterson, Joe Rogan, Andrew Tate, and others, instead of looking to the church. And the reason we're having this conversation is because we heard John MacArthur once make the statement that weak men produce the death of a society— And we're looking into why men are not looking to the church, and instead they're looking to other sources, unbiblical sources. So we've been diving into this, asking questions, trying to figure out what is manhood? What is it to be a man? What is it to be a biblical man? And so, Pastor Brandon, you said, I don't know if you remember saying it, but it was very profound. How the men, so go the men, so go the church, right? Do you remember how you said that? Well, something to that effect. I mean, if as the men go, the church goes. Yeah, yeah. which is really a good statement. Yeah, I mean, if if the men are not leading the church, if the men are not leading the families, then yes, the church is going to be ineffective. And that's why more women are stepping up and doing ministry and leadership. Yeah, it's interesting because even you know several. This has been several years ago, but I had you know my dad. I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but I know I've told you. My dad was he was charismatic. And, you know, one of the things that I would talk to him about or challenge him with is that, you know, women preaching and how that shouldn't be. And, you know, his answer was, well, the men aren't doing it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, God is, God is raising up women and, and because the men aren't doing it. And the truth is, he's, I think he's right. He was saying it from a standpoint, it's okay because the men aren't doing it and somebody needs to. Uh, but I think in the sense, there was a sense he was right because, that is exactly what's happening. You know that that women are stepping up and and they are leading in the church, but they're you know they're they're doing it because there's a there's there's the men that are many of the men that are there are not leading in a way that's that's that God would have them lead. They're not leading in terms of like biblically, and and but then there's just a lack of men to lead, and so it leads lead has left this vacuum in the church where women are stepping up and, and, and preaching and doing things that they ought not do. I'm, I feel the same way when I look at, and we just talked about sports. I had good coaches and they were all men. I, I, I'm, I'm really not in favor of having a woman coach young men in football or baseball, or even in, I guess, scouting is another thing that they they more women are now scout leaders with men. Mm-hmm. I think men, young men, <clears throat> young men need to be with older men to to ha- to help shape them. 
And if it's always women <laughs> coaching sure. them and shaping them, and now their pastor is a woman, I think it's really difficult. Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, they do need you, you. Young men need older men. I mean, John recognized that. I mean, that he, you know, and, and when he wrote in First John, he talked about the older men. He talked about the the younger men. You know, he. I mean, he recognized. I mean, you need you need both groups and. You need the older men shaping the younger men. You need the older men challenging the younger men. And you need the younger men, you know, they bring energy. They bring vibrancy to the church. And so, you know, we need we need those groups in the church, but we need, you know, we need those men feeding off of one another. We, you know, iron sharpening iron. And we need those generations learning from one another and, and using one another to, to become more like Christ. Anyway... Next question. <laughs> so what do you think? Is there, is there a war on boys and men? Absolutely, there's a war on, on us. And the, the world does not want our culture, we're specifically talking about Western culture at this point, does not want masculine men. Um, and therefore, there is a war on and a feminization of the men that I think that is I think it's intentional. I think that I think it's intentional that they that they want the world to be more feminized and and therefore they don't want ma- truly masculine men, biblically masculine men. Not we're not talking about and that's that that's kind of what started all of this is my concern that the pendulum could swing and you know that there's a it doesn't matter which side of the spectrum you're on, whether you you have, you know, a, a masculine from a worldly point of view kind of man who dominates and and is, is unspiritual, you know, that that fighter, if you will, or you swing the pendulum all the way over to, you know, someone like Dylan Mulvaney. It doesn't matter, you know, it both sides are wrong. I mean, we need to, as a church, we need to understand biblical manhood and we need to understand how to live, you know, biblically before the Lord as a man and biblically before the Lord as a woman. And, you know, we need to understand what the Bible actually says about those things, what the Lord ultimately actually says about those things. So Pastor Bannon, for men in the church, is it more important how much you deadlift or how much the Bible you know? Well, I, let's be biblical in that answer. I mean, First Timothy four eight and nine, Paul says, "For bodily training is of little profit, but godliness is profitable in all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come." And so clearly, you know, Paul is putting the godliness, which I would tie to the truth, uh, which I would tie to uh, how much Bible you know. I mean, in terms of biblical knowledge, obviously, biblical knowledge is more important than than um, how much you can deadlift or, or bench press or whatever uh, physical, you know, physical thing that you want to compare it to. But, you know, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't try to be in, you know, as good a shape as we can. You know, I mean, we don't, we shouldn't be fat and sitting around, you know, doing nothing. I mean, we should be up and moving and that sort of thing. It's interesting because, um, you know, in Joshua chapter one, you know, Joshua chapter 1, it says that, you know, that he says, be strong and courageous. And he's talking about going and actually taking the, the, the promised land. So, I mean, it, 
there is a physical aspect to manly manliness that you know we need to recognize but what's interesting is is that he says only be strong and courageous to be careful to do all the law which Moses my servant commanded you and do not turn aside from it to the right or to the left so that you may prosper be prosperous prosperous wherever you go then you know, he says this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you be careful to do all that according to all that's written in it and so the point that i'm making is is that as joshua was getting to go getting ready to go into the promised land and take it by force you know god was actually being was more concerned with his godliness is more concerned with him meditating on his on his truth or the truth of his word and so so there's a i mean even with that there's this this idea this that's there and i think we need to be cognizant of it we need to understand it that you know the spiritual aspect is more important than you know the the physical aspect and so but but you know at the at the same time you can't just discount but you can't discount the physical aspect either and so that we need to be that we need to do it you know in terms of living our life we need to be as healthy as we can we need to be we need to be as strong we need to be strong i mean that that's strong and courageous i mean we need to do that i mean paul says in first corinthians 16:13 be watchful stand firm in the faith act like men be strong i mean so there is that aspect, but that doesn't, that certainly pales in comparison to being godly, being spiritual, understanding and knowing the word, being a man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked nor stand in the way of sinners, being one who is firm, like a tree firmly planted by the streams of water, being fruitful, you know, being a man who prospers in that way. And that's more spiritual than, than it is physical. I don't think I could go to a church where a pastor would be built like Arnold Schwarzenegger. I just, I, I don't think I would trust him that he's, I think he's spending eight hours in the gym and two hours in Bible study. I would rather have it the other way around, have him spend an hour in the gym and six hours. Yeah, I don't. My math was off, but you you get it. Sure, sure. I mean, you don't want a guy that's that's just focused on the physical aspect of everything, you know, in terms of that's, that's his focus. I mean, and, you know, how good he looks and, and, you know, how he looks in a pair of jeans or how he, you know, how he busts out of a shirt or whatever. I, I think that the, the I think what we have to be careful of is that the other side isn't healthy either. I mean, you know, the guy that sits on the couch and and does nothing and doesn't care about himself doesn't necessarily give me a lot of confidence that he's living a disciplined life. And what so, are you looking at me for? <laughs> I'm not looking. Oh. Well, to answer the question that I asked at the beginning, why are so many young men not looking to the church? They're looking for you know, uh, icons, these, these men, Joe Rogan and these guys, do we, do we lay the blame at the seeker sensitive movement and the seeker sensitive pastors that have been preaching for the last 20 years? Well, I don't know. I mean, obviously I, you know, a guy like John MacArthur, uh, has been preaching in the church, you know, biblical masculinity for many years. Um, I mean, he's not the only one, but I, I do remember, you know, he, he's probably the first one that I, ha- you know, heard talk about the feminization of the church and, you know, using that term, he did that at a, I think it was a shepherd's conference many years ago. He, he preached on the feminization of the church. And so you do have, um, you know, voices in the church that are, 
that are preaching and teaching, you know, biblical masculinity. So what do we say to the world that says if men stand up strongly for the truth, that they're toxic and looked down on? Hmm. Well, I think that there is certainly toxic men, I mean, for sure, that, that, and I think that's what, again, that's kind of what started my thought process with even having this podcast was, you know, that, that there are problem ways of looking at life in terms of masculinity, but the, the problem is, is that it, you, if you end up generalizing and saying that all men are toxic and that's what the culture is beginning to do where any masculinity is problematic and and we need to get away from it and that's what's scary that's that's the weak men that john MacArthur's talking about that create problems you know that that are not willing going back to psalm chapter one they're not willing to oppose evil i mean that's that's ultimately the issue. They they're not they're and not just willing not to oppose it, but they join in with it, and and they they applaud it, and you know that's the that that's really what you know the problem is. And so, yeah, toxic max masculinity. Not all males are toxic. I mean, it's not you know being a man is not toxic if it's done in a biblical way. You know, if I'm if I'm a biblical male now, that doesn't mean, again, I can be toxic. You know, if I do dumb things, but uh, we're talking about biblical manhood, not mm-hmm. what you know. Not we're not talking about John Wayne mentality. We're not talking about Clint Eastwood mentality. You know, Dirty Harry, make my day. We're not talking about that kind of manhood. We're talking about biblical manhood, and and biblical manhood is not toxic and shouldn't be seen as toxic, but the world hates the truth so so they're going to do what they can to discredit you know godly men absolutely i was just thinking of like when you have yeah men who stand up for their daughters by not wanting a, a man who is pretending to be a woman in the same dressing room with them that man is now considered toxic whereas before it would just be just a Call me toxic, then, great, baby. A great, I'm, I'm I'm as toxic as they come. Yeah, a great dad. That's what because he was called. Yeah, I don't I I don't want some creep in my daughter's dressing room, and I'm not and I'm gonna and I'm gonna stand up for that. So if that's toxic, then I'm toxic. Yeah. Well, and that's what yeah that's what they consider that again. You're standing up for the truth, and you're yes. standing strong yes. for the truth, and that's toxic. So have men been robbed of leading the way God made them to lead? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's, I mean, I think by and large, yes. But I think what we have to recognize is that that mean, that's been true from the garden. And, mm. and so we're just seeing, again, it's just the pendulum is swung. I mean, we're not saying that, again, we go back to Clint Eastwood, John Wayne. We're not talking about that kind of manhood being the right type of man. But we're not talking about Dylan Mulvaney being the right type of man either. We're talking about biblical manhood. manhood. And mm-hmm. so, yes, I think that, that men, lead, the leadership of men has been usurped. The biblical leadership because, because of sin, because we live in a sin-fallen world. And so whether the, whether the pendulum is one side or the other doesn't really matter. Um, you know, we have a lack of men who are leading biblically, mm-hmm. according to the truth. 
So looking at the Bible, can we really understand maleness apart from femaleness? Well, I think you have to have both. I mean, again, God created... Well, that's a good... That's kind of where I was going. Can we understand it without... Like, we need to look at Genesis, right? Yeah, I think Genesis 1, God created man. He created male and female. I think that you have to have both aspects to understand you know who man is you know mankind you see clearly genesis chapter 2 you know god created the female to be the helpmate to be to be one who helps and 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 is uh, comes alongside the man literally created him out created her out of the man but the idea is that she fits with the man that it's it's funny because the female was created out of the out of the man's side, but I think that signifies that by his side she should be. You know that that she came out of the side, therefore she should be by his side. And so the the idea of being a helpmate is one who comes alongside and helps, and and is is part of that. You know, it, it is what completes him, if you will. I mean, it's I I I don't think you know it's interesting because I mean when Adam in Genesis chapter two. When Adam named the animals, he he didn't find he didn't find one corresponding to him. He didn't find one like him, and I think he I think there was an incompleteness, and I think he recognized that incompleteness because he didn't have a companion, and so God made Eve to be his companion. And so, so yes, I think in order to understand mankind, we have to understand it as and mankind is male and female. Yeah. So we can't understand. Maleness without understanding femaleness. Yeah, I think they go. There needs to be a. I think they go together. Two sides of the same coin. Yeah, I think coin. they go together because I mean, it, you know, going back to Genesis chapter two. I mean, I think it's I think it's helpful. I think it would be helpful for us to really to to even look, work through that just a little bit here. Um, yeah, and you've kind of mentioned it already uh, as you're looking for that. The purpose of manhood is going back to the one who made us a man. Yes. And it all leads back to Genesis. It all leads back to to yes, the how God created us and which is which is shown in you know which is um described to us in, in Genesis uh Genesis chapter 2. But yeah, I mean if you look at Genesis chapter 2, it says it says that um out of the ground, this is Genesis 2.19, out of the ground, Yahweh God had formed every beast of the field, every bird of the sky, and he brought each to the man, he brought each to the man to see what he would call it, and whatever he called, the man called a living creature, that was its name. And the man gave names to all the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. Here's the, here's the interesting part. But for Adam, so he saw all these different, animals, all these different birds, but for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him, and so there was not found one literally corresponding to him, and that would be the, that would be the female, so there, so he was incomplete, he, he, it wasn't, it, it wasn't good, right, it was incomplete, creation wasn't complete without the female, and so, and so then the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept, and then he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh at that place. And again, it's interesting because that, you know, people ask, well, is that, so he took a rib, and, you know, is that, did God use a rib? 
I think the point there is that that it that God took the woman out of the man's side, and therefore at his side is what where the God where the woman belongs, right? It's it's her purpose to be one corresponding to him. It's her purpose to be along, alongside him. And so, so we see that clearly, Genesis chapter 2. And then, and then we see, you know, after this happened, he, he, and Yahweh God fashioned the rib, and which he had taken from the man, into a woman, and he brought her to the man. And it's interesting because, what we, you know, during a wedding, we still have this re- reveal where the where the father reveals the the bride to the to the groom and and it's it's looking back at Genesis chapter 2 and it's that revelation of this is the this is the woman that I've made for you and and you know the man the father presenting that woman to the to the groom in all her purity and it's a, it's this it's this beautiful scene and that 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 man was single and now he's married and now he's complete and Again, I mean, obviously, God has called men, certain men, to be single, and certain women to be single. And I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that we shouldn't celebrate single singleness when it's when it's God, a God's you know gift of God. But generally, by and large, He's created us to be together. And and He, you know, in order for us to understand female or male, we have to understand female. You have to have both. I mean, you 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 know even. You know, even like when we talk about, um, you know, the the it's something is the male or the female. I mean, we we understand because they correspond to one another, and they complete one another. And I think we're going to do a podcast on womanhood because femininity and and females are as beautiful as men as manhood. They're they're equal. Yeah, most male or most females are more beautiful than you, Keith. <laughs> That's not you know what I meant uh, is that we're we're equal in God's eyes. It's just that we have different roles, and that's we're right. not trying to say that men are above women. No, and that's the danger of that is the danger of of even this this conversation is I don't want anyone to come you know go away from this and think well you know Brandon's just all male pro male and he hates the females. No, no, I I love the fact that God has made us male and female and he has created us equal and but he's given us different role, different function and and we need to recognize that. And you know, he's made women to have certain strengths that I could never have. You know, I could never I could never be as nurturing as my wife. I c I don't think that way. I just don't you know, I can I can try to be nurturing, but I'm not I, I, I don't it is isn't natural. It doesn't come natural to me. And, and so, but at the same time, I mean, there's things about me that doesn't, that wouldn't, my wife can't do and, and doesn't do naturally. And so, I mean, God has made us to correspond to one another. God has made us to gather male and female to be able to raise children, to be able to, and I mean, let's not, let's not forget. I mean, it, going back to that Genesis 1, 26 to 28, I mean, the, the idea there is that you know that you would go be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that creeps on the earth and so the idea there is man and woman coming together in order to be fruitful and i don't care i mean you can't you you even even artificial insemination i mean you have to have both sides you have to have a sperm and you have to have an egg i mean and and you know we can fake it and you know we can we can have 
artificial insemination and all those things, but ultimately God didn't design, he designed both to be involved in that process. And I mean, when I say process, I mean the full process. I don't mean just the, I mean every, you know, every aspect of raising children. Yeah, and that brings me to the next question. How important is it that a man be the head of his household to be a priest, prophet, provider, protector? Were we created for this? Yes. It's, it's critically important, and in where it and where that doesn't happen, we end up having problems. And, you know, that doesn't mean, again, I mean, there's situations where, you know, if a woman is married or, you know, has children and something happens to the male and he, you know, the woman has to take those some of those responsibilities or those responsibilities because she's not married anymore and, and for, for whatever reason, that doesn't mean that, that God can't bless that situation. And... You know, that doesn't mean that 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 women are, are less than or can't can't do those things. But it but yes, ultimately, ultimately, it's critical by and large in a society, in the church, certainly critical for males to be leaders in the home, to be the men, you know, that are that are standing against evil, that are, you know, that are providing and doing all the above. Yes. Mm. So do you think that young men, or even if you're not so young men, have to have it all figured out before he steps up and gets married and leads his family? No. I mean, I think that's probably part of the problem. When we're going back to the question of men not growing up, part of the problem is is that there's a failure to launch because they don't, you know, they, they want things to be perfect before they actually mm-hmm. launch. And it's part of that's the society that says, you know, oh, you need to have a little, you need to have a few years under your belt before you can, before you can get married. And I don't think that's right. I don't think that that's something that we need to. I mean, my my daughter just got married to a young man. She's, you know, she's young. He's young. You know, are they going to have problems? Yes, they're going to struggle. Yes, um, but I'm there as her father, and and you know, he's got his father and his mother, and and you know my wife and we're all there to help contribute to you know getting them over the hump and you know they have the church that can come alongside them they're you know they're in small group they're you know regularly attend church you know where pastors can come alongside them and help them and absolutely are they young yes but but at the end of the day at the end of the day I think it's best to to move forward together and and you know that doesn't mean again it doesn't mean every situation that every person should marry young you know i don't think that that you have to get to this certain you know i got to get college out of the way no i mean i think you've you've moved forward if that's what the lord is calling you to do yeah i have to be making so much money i have to have a a nice uh, yeah. nest egg and yeah, yeah exactly I, yes i need to i need to save up i need to have a house i need to you know have a nice car i need to have a good education yeah you know before i can actually and and those things, those things are good, I guess. I mean, I, I'm not saying, yeah. but, but it isn't necessarily, um, but I think that, that it's overstated in our culture. You know, my wife and I, Angie, met and married and had children right after that, but we figured it out. You know, we had our troubles and difficulties, and, you know, we're about to get our last kid out of the house, and, you know, we're, we're thinking about what's the rest of our life, and what we're hoping to do is is uh, have grandchildren and and you know see them be see our children be fruitful and and have children and and you know we get to see our grandchildren grow up and and Lord willing we get to see some great great grandchildren and you know that's what life is all about and 
you know, if you wait till you're, you know, 35 or 40 to have your first child. I mean, my dad was 45 when I was born and he, you know, he passed away at, he was 80, 81 when he passed away. And I, I'm, I'm, my dad's been gone. He's been gone for about 15 years now. And mm. so, you know, I, I, I remember my dad, but I would love to have my dad here mm. to help me. I would love to, I would love to have him in his, you know, to know him in his strength and, and not have, have known him mostly as an older man. And, you know, I, I would love to have him here helping me do the things I need to do. And uh, there's a vacuum. I mean, I feel a vacuum there because he's, because he was older. And that, that doesn't mean, again, God brings children in different ages. And I'm not saying, I'm just saying as a truism, uh, in general, it's better to have children young so that you can build, you know, strong families and strong relationships and, and that sort of thing. So, yeah. So as we wrap this up, podcast on manhood, biblical manhood, so men can be tough, masculine, and still be tender. Well, I think that's what we're called to be. Yeah. I mean, I think we're ta- called to be tough, masculine. We're called to go and work hard and, and you know, make money and, and support our families. We're called to protect our families, you know, be protectors of our families. Being a man, it also includes being meek you know, mourning over sin, you know, being poor in spirit, mourning over my sin, being lowly, uh, being merciful. You know, those are qualities of the Christian, but it's qualities of a, of a biblical man as well. That's good. All right. Well, I know you got to get to the gym. I got a bag of chips on the couch. <laughs> You've been listening to Fresh Bread, a podcast ministry of Grace Bible Church, Gainesville. For more information, go to gracegainesville.org. And thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.